Is a rapper who writes down her lyrics representing the maturing form, or is she committing sins against an oral tradition? That and more today with rapper and MC T.I. on The Writing Process. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey! Bring them out, bring them out. Yeah. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey! Hey, wow, wow, welcome to the very final episode of the inaugural season of The Writing Process, the weekly podcast conversation with writing masters. I'm your host, as always, Chris Wink. I am so glad you're listening in because I am finishing off this final season with a bang. You're going to hear from hip-hop icon T.I., the self-styled king of the South. The Atlanta native has put out nine studio albums since 2001, and still just 37 years old, he is a major cultural force. He's a founder of trap music, the southern hip-hop subgenre full of heavy drums and dark tones. Last year, he wrapped a six-season VH1 reality TV show with his then-wife, Tiny. And this year, he's been in and out of celebrity news like always, from funding school programs to running afoul of a criminal justice system he often criticizes. He's a hip-hop transition figure. He's somewhere between Jay-Z and Drake. From T.I., I wanted to consider the defining question of today's hip-hop lyricism. Does writing down and editing lyrics represent the natural maturing of the form, or is it anathema to the genre's origins in freestyle and oral storytelling? T.I. has done both. As you'll hear today, he's gone into a studio with precisely edited lyrics, and he's produced albums by way of memory. He says it's a question of your intention, preference, and Yes, your capabilities. You could jump off any cliff and fly for a little while. T.I., well, all right, I'm going to go ahead and call him Tip from here on out. Tip has frequently spoken on the writing that underpins everything he's done. So even though the time was short, even though it was going to be noisy, I jumped at the chance to speak to him inside the Choose ATL house at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, way back in March. Tip was the exact kind of figure I wanted to serve as a bedrock for this podcast. He's influential and deeply representative of major writing norms in flux. When we talked, he had just come off the stage from a Q&A coordinated by the Atlanta Metro Chamber of Commerce and a co-working company called The Gathering Spot. Tip and I sat down in the very noisy green room, surrounded by his friends, staff, and veggie trays. I want to play the best few minutes of our conversation, but you're going to have to forgive the background noise. Believe me, it's worth it. And I have some more on the other side of it. I started off by asking him about his very earliest memories of writing. Absolutely. I did a lot of writing when I was was a kid. I started rapping because uh, in third grade we were taking a test. I was incredibly smart and bad in school. So I finished the test before everybody, but I used to always talk. You know what I mean? I bother everybody else to keep them from finishing their test. 
So I got in a lot of trouble for that. So this time, I knew I had to keep quiet. I finished early, but I had to keep quiet. So I just, just haphazardly tried to write a rap. And, and I performed it at, at, at recess and everyone loved it and I had to do another one because they didn't believe I did the first one so I had to continue to do them so they believed me. Do you remember that one? That, that first no, one? I remember some parts about it but I don't remember it now. <laughs> How um, how's the writing process evolved? You've spoken a bit about you know whether from memory or like precision, and how have you, um, how has your process evolved over the last you know twenty years of work? Well, you see, I also used to write stories. You uh, know what I mean? I've also short you know, stories. Um, you know, three pages maybe. Sure. Yeah, uh, and and that was my imagination to create characters and to. You know what I mean? To to just develop circumstances and character arcs and like I I, I also did that early on, uh, before middle school. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I, I I always got like extra credit just for my for for, for my vivid imagination. Do you remember what were what were the first influences in you writing at all? Was there family or, or, or form or music or, or school or I will tell you this. Uh, I am the only person in my family or the first person in my family to do what I do. Whatever that is, I'm the first person <laughs> to do it. Um I mean, you know, grandfather tells stories. Might be, you know, was there anything well, like? Well, sure. You know, everybody, all of my family members would, you know, gather around and, you know, ex exchange stories about this time or that time. Um, my stories were different. Like I, I compare. I always wrote stories in comparison to what I, what I was watching, what I was entertaining myself with. Uh, so I remember one of my favorite movies at the time was Never Ending Story. You know what I mean? So things that I wrote, I would write in comparison to like creating a world that would be comparative to that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and as I got older and my, my palette adjusted as far as the types of films that I watched or, or books I read, then my stories that I wrote began to change. Do you contrast, like, short story, that the idea is, you know, people will spend years crafting individual words, and, and hip-hop, I think, is struggling with I the balance that. of that. Yeah, tell a little bit about what, what you, you know, the balance of the extreme of precision of every word must be precise. You've spoken a bit about rappers who do that, Absolutely. but then others are, are the opposite. There's a so wonderful now, spectrum. as it pertains to the artistry of emceeing, your vocabulary and your experiences, they 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 will they will be your wings. You know what I'm saying? You could jump off you could jump off any cliff and fly for a little while. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But your ability to remain longevitous on that flight will hinge upon your experiences and and, and your vocabulary. You know Deliveries may va may vary, but you're gonna have to have an expansive vocabulary or some formidable experiences that that provide a vibe or or, or that provide uh, a different perspective you know that gives that that raises a point that everyone may agree with but nobody ever thought of. You know what I'm saying? Thought of in the way that you present it, you know, or a lifestyle. 
uh, or an upbringing that everyone can relate to or people who can't relate are so intrigued by it that they tune in and relate to it incoherently. In you know what I'm saying? Like there's several different methods and several different approaches. It's all about what works best for you. You know what I mean? And you're seeing a range among hip hop sure. artists, right? Like, what what do you? Has what you bring to the studio changed through your career, or is that has that been consistent? Absolutely, because I think my writing process has changed. You know what I'm saying? At first, I was a, a pen to pad, tablet person. I would write in cars or wherever I was, and just save raps and have them, and then I get to the studio and figure out, you know which ones of these I'd want to use. And that provides a different energy and a different perspective than the, the, the way I transition to, which is basically going in without writing anything down and just, you know, taking the spirit of the music and the, the, the circumstances that come to mind the most and just delivering it uh, on the fly. And I think that gives you a flexibility, you know what I'm saying? That gives you like a uh, a, f a fluidity, like you know, it, it flows better. It just sounds a, a, a tad more effortless. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot less like writing a rap and more conversation. Do you, when you're performing, yeah, last question. Uh, do, do, you, do you are you watching songs evolve? Um, Oh yes, of course. Of course, I mean because you know what I'm saying. Before anything else, I'm a fan of music. I'm a fan of the arts. So whether I'm developing a script, whether I'm uh, 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 creating an album, whether I'm designing a fashion line, it's all going to derive from my love of that said art. So I'm not going to make any music that I wouldn't listen to because as a fan, you know, I wouldn't do that. Uh, and that includes if the things if the things that I I, I I wouldn't listen to are more popular. Even still, I'm gonna stay true to to me as a fan of the arts, and that goes for any any realm of entertainment that I find myself in as a as a creative. That feels critical. That Ti very much sees himself as a creative, as a creator in a broad sense that rapping is just one example of his craft. This summer, T.I. performed in one of NPR's cherished Tiny Desk concerts, surrounded by Atlanta high school kids playing brass and string instruments to form his beat. T.I. wants you to know he's a creator with purpose. Perfect. That's something to dig into. Unfortunately, by this time in our interview, as you overheard, the press handler was showing her impatience with my already having gone over our agreed-upon time, and she cut us off. I turned my recorder off, Tip and I shook hands, and I joined a pre-concert reception. But over a complimentary Jameson and Ginger, I was most regretful that I didn't get to unpack with him how his writing has evolved through his career. His experience as a teenager selling crack in Atlanta in the 1990s is as documented and validated and authentic as any rap icon. But his relationship to that time is complicated. In lots of interviews, he clarifies that, unlike a lot of rap cliché, he does not want to be defined by that time alone. A few years back, T.I. took a camera crew to an abandoned housing complex in southwest Atlanta where he sold crack as a teenager. 
He said he'd write rhymes down on a pad between deals. In the video, he motions to a little stone wall in the middle of trash piles and empty homes. He did another interview with his record label about that time in his life before he was signed to a deal, and I want you to hear it, including a follow-up question from an interviewer. Here it is. You know, I, I came from a certain walk of life that I can't say that I'm 100% proud of it, but I've accepted it. That's where I came from. That's, that's what my past consists of. And I got myself into a lot of things that, you know, might not have been as healthy for my progression. Mm -hmm. And I've never been a stupid person, you know. I've never been a person, you know, who, who didn't know any better. I always knew, but when you make it out of that situation into a better situation, you really just start thinking like, man, look at all the stuff that we done did. Look at all of the people I've lost, all the time I've wasted, all the trouble I've gotten in. And you know, you just, you become a bit remorseful. You know, it makes it hard to appreciate or you know, to, to, to revel in the fact that you made it out of there because you're like, yeah, I made it out of there, but look at what I had to go through. Look at what all it took for me to get out of there. You know, that was my adversity then. And then you get out of there to a degree, put to the quotes around that, you get yeah. out of there. Yeah. And then there's more adversity. Yeah, you hop out the frying pan to the fire, <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. Because once you get out of there, you know, see, when you're, in the, when, you, when you're in those scenarios and under those circumstances, you know what to expect. You, I mean, you know to expect the unexpected. Mm -hmm. You know that the way that you live is, you know, I guess illegal, in a sense. You know that it's dangerous. You know that anything could happen at any time, and you expect that. Prepare for it. How did music play into your life at that time? I still was, you know, very creative. I still was, you know, making music as much as I could, writing music every day. I'd write it every day, you know what I'm saying, play some with beats. Uh, for, for a certain period, for about a year or two, I'd go to the studio every Sunday, and we'd record. I'd pay for it myself. Then for a minute, uh, my cousin had hooked me up with DJ Toomp. Mm -hmm. DJ Toomp started giving me beats. We go to the studio maybe once a month and record. You know what's funny? I, I, I find it interesting that when people see rappers, they think, you know, they, they see the shows, they might see, hear the records, but the amount of work that goes into creating records. Yeah. Like with your writing process, tell us about your writing well, process. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, man, Writing, you sh like at that point in that period in my career, writing always came easy to me, cause I, I had everything to say, you know, <laughs> I had everything on my mind. Thoughts were just racing a million miles a minute. Like, you know, I could do any kind of song, you know, like that. And now, I could still do that, but I'm more selective with what I choose to say. You know what I'm saying? Certain things, I mean, I've already said that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've already went there. They've already heard this from me. This wouldn't necessarily be, you know, uh, a true display of, of, of uh, expansion, of diversity. And I think that at this point in my career, 
it's imperative that I showed it. You hear what I hear, don't you? Unlike other rappers, Tip isn't reveling in his upbringing. In fact, he can be cagey about it at times. That interview was to promote his celebrated 2008 album, Paper Trail. For many, that's the album that makes him more than just a passing star. It's a defining record. It had hits with Rihanna and Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake that I remember playing on repeat everywhere I was the year after I graduated college. The album had real depth. Tip chose the album name, Paper Trail, because he decided he wanted to return to writing and formally editing his lyrics, like he had done as a teenager, on paper. He's saying he badly wants to be known not as a rap star exactly, but as a lyricist, a writer, a creative. He loves vocabulary. Remember, that's how you can fly when you jump off that cliff. So later in the promo interview with a Warner Brothers music representative, he talks about why he returned to the process of fine-tuning his writing, something he did in his 2001 debut album, I'm Serious, but hadn't much done on the four albums in between. To anyone who's written a short story or a poem, Tip is talking about a very basic act, working over and over and over your written words. But for hip-hop heads, many of whom still hold the belief that rhymes should rain down from the heavens, it's nearly revelatory. Listen to how novel the idea of line editing sounds to the interviewer. After my last album, people was like, you know, ah, he's comfortable, he's lazy, you know, he's just trying to make radio records, he's not a real lyricist anymore, he, you know, it kind of, I guess they accuse me of having an inability to create, you know what I'm saying? So I, I saw that and I said, okay, and people, you know, kind of said more than once on certain places, certain blogs, and certain places where, you know, this is nothing like that I'm serious. I miss I'm serious. I miss that T.I. from back then. So I thought to myself, I said, now what had changed about me from then to now? Besides a few million dollars. I mean, <laughs> what, what could have possibly been the difference? And I just thought, okay, well, for one, I was writing lyrics down back then. Mm. So it may have come off a little more, uh, a little more intellectual, you know what I'm saying? When you write things down, you, as you write something, from the time you write the first line to the time you write the last line, you consistently repeat this over and over and over again. And as you repeat it, you might say, okay, well, instead of saying that, I can say this. And then by the time you get down to the last line, you've changed the first and the second and the third and the fourth line so many times to where it's perfected. So that's, I wanted to get into that, the way, the philosophy and the style that you go about writing yeah. your rhymes. You yeah. know? Um, you I mean, edit, I, so you edit as you go. Yeah. That's what you're saying. You'll see yeah. a line, you'll be like, you know what? I can add a the instead of an a there. Yeah, the, the, yeah. they, <laughs> them, so you, uh, eh. You know what I'm saying? So you just edit as you go. Yeah, you might edit syllables, you might edit vocabulary, you might edit pattern. Uh, It might even be some, uh, might even be some pauses, you know, where I might, I might want to take a pause here and then instead of picking up on the one, I might pause for a minute and then pick up on the two, you know what I'm saying? Or I might not pause at all and just fill that whole fill that whole pause up with words. 
Right. You know. Give me an example of, if you could think of an example of, like one of those situations where you'll put a pregnant pause somewhere, where you might say, all right, when you're writing it and you see it differently mm -hmm. from the writer's perspective. Let's take the third verse of No Matter What. How I originally wrote that verses, uh, even in solitude, you see, they still know how to do. You know, I show them how to do what you do. You ain't got a clue, because all you do is follow dudes. You sound like a lot of dudes, and I weather whatever storm, make it out without a brood. I see. Uh, I understand why when my hand tied, they choose to take shot, because if I'm out there, it's a landslide. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of run along. Right. They were just kind of beating you they over the head with lyrics. Yeah. People were here like, they like this. This makes your head man when you do that. Bombarding me <laughs> with vocabulary. <laughs> it was, so that's why I just say, you know, uh, even in solitude, I still know how to do. I show you how to do what you do. You ain't got a clue. All you do is follow dudes. Sound like a lot of dudes. I weather whatever storm. Make it out without a bruise. I understand why. Now when my hand tied, they take a shot, cause if I'm out there, it's a landslide. But revenge is best served as a cold dish. Suckers will get served, nigga, no shit. Even in solitude, they still know how to do. I show you how to do what you do, you ain't got a clue. All you do is follow dudes, sound like a lot of dudes. I weather whatever storm, make it out without a bruise. I understand why, now when my hands tied, they take shots, cause if I'm out there, it's a landslide. But revenge is best served as a cold dish. And suckers will get served, better know this. As I was prepping to record the interview with Tip, I had a conversation with my buddy Patrick. He's a voracious reader and a hip-hop head who is as likely to text me a Chance the Rapper lyric as he is an Oscar Wilde quote. He and I got to talking about today's relationship between writing and rapping. He called it the written-to-spittin' spectrum. Patrick drew this 2 by 2 square diagram, with the x-axis being how much editing a rapper does on his lines before recording. On one extreme of that spectrum is Biggie and Jay-Z. Surely they developed their rhymes over time, but Jay popularized the idea that freestyle culture defined that rap lyrics can only be recited from memory alone. Jay has bragged that he has forgotten more lyrics than most have ever created. On the other side of that spectrum might be someone like Andre 3000, one half of OutKast, known for his meticulously crafted lyrics. The y-axis might be a relationship to sobriety in the studio. There, on one side, you might put Lil Wayne, whose process is defined by drinking and drugs, and on the other you'd put, like, Kendrick Lamar, who has talked about the importance of sobriety in his final product. Tip has been all over that little chart. He started rapping as a teenager, polishing rhymes in between crack deals, and those written and edited words resulted in his vaulted 2001 debut, I'm Serious. His next several albums were very much informed by the idea that hip-hop was a craft of memory and freestyle alone. It's so telling, then, that Tip's third album featured the anthem, Bring Him Out. That's the one you heard a snippet of at the beginning of this episode, and it features a vocal sample from Jay-Z, who, in turn, is quoting Biggie, the standard bearers of rap from memory only. But then, by 2008, Tip released an album with a title, Paper Trail, Crafted because it was a return to the idea that he felt he should write and edit his lines like a short story writer might, using the written word. Doesn't it figure that that is his defining album? 
In an interview last year with a web series called Montreality, Tip spoke with admiration about those in hip-hop who'd rank highly on the lyrical process side of things. Those that use the craft of writing to get out of poor and violent childhoods. In addition to Andre 3000, Tip talked about Eminem, someone he has collaborated with several times. Though M has famously been inconsistent on the sobriety spectrum, maybe more than anyone we know, he's known as being fanatical about word choice. M just released an album called Kamikaze that seems entirely focused on tightly constructed word choice. There isn't much room for content at all. M's writing journey has been to move so far from his rap Olympics origins that every word, every morpheme is precisely packed together. Tip sounds moved by it. Yeah, man, M is, man, probably one of the most talented, capable, intellectual technicians of wordplay I have ever experienced. Like, he's really meticulous with his approach to how he put his shit together. And I, you know, both times we worked, I, I had the opportunity of sitting there and watching him, like, actually put this shit together. And, you know, it was just truly of another world for real that shit was just on some other shit um and that just you know him and 3000 him and uh, eminem and andre 3000 are the most meticulous artists i've ever worked with you know what i mean they and they're very critical of themselves you know what i mean times when i feel like that shit don't they're like nah you know what I mean? So those, those two guys are really up there for me. I mean, you know, to me, Park was, he was the great, he was the epitome of someone who came from nothing and took the talents that God gave him, you know, even with minimal resources, minimal outreach, you know, he just started like kind of from his own street corner and worked his way out to wherever he needed to work it out to in order to make it. You know, that you know, I think that's that's the epitome of what hip hop is supposed to the the opportunity hip hop provides and the energy that it inspires. And since we all came from a woman, got a game from a woman and a name from a woman. I wonder why we take from our women, why we rape our women, do we hate our women? It's time to kill for our women, time to heal our women, be real to our women. I lingered on that interview because that last bit of audio is Tip performing at the 2017 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Tupac. Tip was covering Pac's legendary Keep Your Head Up. Another song so built on narrative that it has to come with detailed writing and editing. If Biggie was on the memory side of this hip-hop divide, Pac has got to be closer to the writerly side. There is something very complex about the idea that hip-hop's origins can be traced back to a time without widespread literacy among black Americans, when songs were communication devices for slaves and activists. It's an art form developed to combat oppression, that's beyond my experience and expertise. 
but I know it's a mistake to think writing strictly as a more advanced form of memory. As Tip points out, they're simply different tools. Writing is a vehicle to share ideas. A lot of times, that idea goes way beyond what could fit on any page. Back down Mississippi to Philly, Albuquerque to chat time. I got the crowd yelling, bring them out, bring them out. I'm a hot girl yelling, bring them out, bring them out. All the dope boys yelling, bring them out, bring them out. Front the back day yelling, bring them out, bring them out. That is a wrap of this episode and indeed the first season of The Writing Process, a weekly podcast with writing masters. I'm going to share my favorite lessons from all 10 episodes in a recap. And then I'm going on a bit of a hiatus. But if you haven't already, try all 10 episodes in this season. Also, look for the writing process on iTunes and all the many places podcasts appear and subscribe. That way you know when we come back. If you liked this episode, please rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. It does help. You also can find all of the episodes at writingprocesspod.com. Thank you to my guest, T.I., and the entire crew behind the Choose ATL activation during South by Southwest, including Renee Felton and Sarah Schneider, who helped coordinate. Also, credit to the Warner Brothers Sound, a YouTube series from Warner Brothers Music, where I pulled a snippet of that audio. Also, thanks to Montreality, whose interview had that Eminem and Andre 3000 reference. I'm your host, Christopher Wink. Find me at Christopher Wink or dreaming up the most fun ways to learn lessons about things I care most about. Remember... Choose your words more carefully.